Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed Podcast. Our guest is really a, a remarkable. I'm not going to introduce her. I'm going to let somebody else have the honor, but I'll just say our guest, Jan Markell, uh, is a spiritual and intellectual giant. I wish I knew what she knew. I would be glad to learn from her any day. And I've asked a Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, who's highly honored in our midst and is an extremely close friend with Jan. Uh, Jan's probably introduced the Congressman many times. I doubt if it's gone the other way very many times. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. But um, And so I've asked uh, the Congresswoman, I've given her the honor to introduce Jan Markell, but you're in for a treat. And, and I don't get a chance to see the comments that come in hardly ever, maybe one out of every you know, 20, 30 calls. I will glance at it for a moment, but I just don't get a chance to. You're busy. But I would like you to express your appreciation to our speakers. And I've never asked you to ever do it before. But as you're listening to Jan Mark, I, I want you to express your appreciation for this lady, who she is, the stand she takes, and uh, for the tremendous role she's playing in our nation right now. I wish we could clone her and had a lot more like her, but praise God we have her. <laughs> Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, we love you and believe in you and so honor you. Thank you for being on for your, you've been on many times. Would you introduce, introduce our special speaker? I'll be delighted to, Jim. Thank you so much. It really is a high honor for me to be able to introduce tonight's speaker, Jan Markell. Jan hails from the great state of Minnesota. She is a longtime Minnesotan. Her background is that she comes from a Jewish family. She grew up Jewish, but she gave her life to Jesus Christ, as did her mother. And her, her commitment to Christ was so deep and so strong. God has taken her through a lifetime of ministry. She's given her whole life over to the things of the Lord. There's virtually not a second that she's awake that her life isn't given over to the Lord. And her two, uh, two messages that she speaks to the church about are these, to the body of Christ. One is Israel and the importance of Israel. And I know that that's also Jim and Rosemary and Mario. That is their heart. That's because it's the covenant. And the covenant is extremely important to Jan. And Jan talks about this all the time. She's a tremendous lover of Israel and has taught so many about the, that importance. But the other thing that she has taught the church is eschatology, end times. How are we to look at the Bible? What is happening? She has a very popular radio show called Understanding the Times. That's what she does. She helps us to interpret our times through the lens of the Bible. Jan often says, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. If you look at scripture, things are exactly coming into focus the way that the Bible said they would. So again, Jan is on over 900 Christian radio stations across the United States. God has allowed me to speak all over the world in different venues. And I will tell you, it, I, I chuckle everywhere I go. It doesn't matter if it's Australia or Moscow or a Muslim country. Everywhere I go, someone will inevitably come up to me and say, I hear you on Jan Markell. <laughs> she, is, she is virtually everywhere. So I know you're going to love hearing her. And I hope you turn into her radio show. Her website is olivetreeviews.org. Again, it's all one word, no spaces, olivetreeviews.org. 
views with an S views as uh, olive tree views org. So go to her website. The latest radio broadcast will be there. Once you start listening, you will never miss a week. She has the most compelling speakers of anyone I've ever seen. So with that, would you please give a wonderful, well-versed welcome to my dear friend and a treasure to the kingdom of heaven, Jan Markell. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much. Yeah. Reverse role here. I can't tell you how many times I've introduced Michelle. <laughs> Probably 20 times, maybe more. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jim, <laughs> for having me. You are welcome. And we just turn you loose to talk. Just tell us what's happening in the world. You have a grasp globally and, and the, the condition of the church or the, the, what's happening in the globe. And I want you to take the next 15 to 20 minutes and just give us an awareness of, of what is taking place. Um, I don't have prepared comments. I have just a few notes in front of me, but I, I think, I think Jim, um, the world is groaning, awaiting the return of the Lord. And of course, that's right out of the Bible. It says that's the way it will be. Even all creation uh, will groan waiting for the Lord's return. Um, and as a result, we're going to be seeing wars and rumors of wars. Well, that's headline news. Um, lawlessness. I mean, sadly, Michelle and I come from Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And I tell people Minneapolis, St. Paul in summer of 2020, five miles of a prominent um, near downtown section of Minneapolis burned to the ground in rioting and looting, arson, etc. That was right after the George Floyd incident. So again, we're seeing uh, rampant lawlessness, uh, everywhere. My goodness, Michelle and I were talking earlier today, just an hour or so ago, and uh, we're, we're, we're just, he just hearing even locally um, the carjackings, the, the um, smash and grab and all of this and all of our prominent cities now, but this is all part of the end time lawlessness. Uh, what she and I often talk about is this rampant delusion, rampant deception and delusion. The church is riddled with it, just riddled with deception and delusion. That doesn't mean there aren't some wonderful churches out there. There are. Uh, we just wish more would not be in the Laodicea. And I think um, probably one statement summarizes the world. It's right out of Luke 21. And that's the prediction that there will be distress with perplexity. And now aren't we seeing the world in complete distress with it? You know what the meaning of that is? The world is going to have problems so serious, there are no earthly solutions to them. And that's what we're, that's what we're witnessing now. Absolutely no solution to some of the world's problems, Luke 21, which ultimately, ultimately plays out in the tribulation. So what we're seeing now is a run up to the biblical tribulation. Uh, things continuing to deteriorate. And I like to say, as it grows darker, as it is, we must shine brighter. And that is what the church is here for, is to shine more brightly as the world grows more and more dark. So am I discouraged? No. But see, I have a, an end time perspective. And, and I do believe that all of this is a herald of his coming. All of this is warning the world. Jesus is saying, I am coming soon. <laughs> Do you think the churches will talk about that? No, most of them won't. So that's why 
people like Michelle and myself and anyone else who can get enthused about the fact that the king is coming needs to be talking about that. Um, I think there are some strange things going on, including the Russia-Ukraine situation is just, it's bizarre. Um, I don't think they're going to be shooting. I think this is kind of smoke and mirrors going on. There's something deeper going on with that whole uh, scenario. Um, talked to Michelle about it earlier this evening. I think she would agree. And she needs to weigh in on some of these things, too, as we get into a discussion. Um, so I, I just think that there, uh, Mr. Putin is kind of involved in a chess game right now. I would be surprised if bombs fall. I could be wrong because... We're in such unusual times and we're in the times of wars and rumors of wars. Um, but I, as I was saying earlier in this evening, um, what they're threatening to do in the Ukraine is is vintage 1942, not vintage 2022. Wars like this really are history. Um, so I, I really would be surprised if if that comes about but 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 we shall see and i think if i could say just one statement that might cover a lot of things and that is right now the world does not have a leader a prominent leader we don't have a a strong um, person in the white house there's no other country that we've lost benjamin netanyahu we've got no strong leader on the earth right now and i believe that is not only destabilizing the world it's also preparing the world for a man with a plan his name is mr antichrist we do not know who he is the church does not have the privilege of knowing uh, anything about other than what the bible says about him and i believe he comes out of europe um, but I believe he's alive and well, and I believe that much of what is happening right now is the spirit of the Antichrist is very, very active. The spirit of the Antichrist is trying to stir everything up. The spirit of the Antichrist is behind the lawlessness. It's behind the deception, the delusion. It's even behind some of the wars and rumors of wars going on. So um, I think that we're going to see these 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 things escalate and escalate and escalate. We're going to see nations continue to come against Israel. Um, and as it come, when it comes to what Mr. Putin is doing, I think what he's doing in the Ukraine is rather irrelevant. What he chooses to do someday very soon, based on Gog, Magog, Ezekiel 38, 39, that's what we must keep our eyes on. Because if he is the leader of the Russian Federation, spoken of in Ezekiel 38, 39, Gog, Magog, that's going to come down and invade Israel in the, in the latter days, it says. Um, and if, if, in fact, what he's doing now, the saber rattling now is a warm up to what he's going to do against Israel, which I believe the church will probably be gone for that. But we don't know that. Um, then that see everything that's happening geopolitically, it all revolves around Israel, it doesn't revolve around America, doesn't revolve around Europe. It all revolves around Israel. That is the key to everything. Um, so we can talk about the rest of the world. It's all important, but none of it is, is as important as what is going to happen in Israel, what's happening in Israel, and what God's plan, present, and future is for Israel. Let me just, I'm going to throw some questions at you, but I want to, I want to turn it to Michelle first, uh, Congresswoman Buckman first, to do that, and then Mario. 
so let me let me let the congresswoman ask. I'm, I'm loaded with about 50 questions based on what you've said, but I'm going to restrain myself for a moment. Uh, which, uh, congresswoman, you've never seen me do before, right? So no, that <laughs> happened before. Go have at it. <laughs> no, let me let me let you go. Let me go first with your question. Then I'll then I'll, then Mario and I'll follow up. You know, um, Jan, I was wondering if you would talk a little bit more just about your assessment of the church today. Um, normally we talk about, uh, you know, political things on the horizon, the rise of authoritarianism and the, the, um, the, the denigration of civil liberties that we're seeing around the world. But would you talk about your assessment of where the church is at today, the evangelical church in America? Well, the evangelical church is in Laodicea and it's majoring in minors. Again, not every church. There are churches holding to truth. It would be wonderful if they would all hold to truth. Um, it, and let me just give, I mean, this is kind of my opinion, but I think things took a turn, negative turn in the 1990s. I'm not going to get into naming names. It's not important. But I think what happened in the 1990s was what's called the seeker sensitive movement. And certain pastors came along who indicated that as long as we can fill our auditorium and um, even uh, let's turn the music as loud as possible. And this isn't a message on music, but they, they came up with tactics to fill the church, but they, they weren't thinking about filling people's the, the spiritual side of people. They were thinking of, of, of filling the pews. And that began in, in the 1990s. And so then we kind of moved into the, into the 2000s and that intensified. Um, then we saw other things creep into the church, more recently critical race theory, the whole LGBT uh, movement sweep into the church and the church beginning, again, not every, not every church, but too many, um, thinking that we have to go along with, with, with all of these new movements that have nothing to do with saving souls. I even think of uh, what I see on the websites, such as, I'll just pick one out, the National Association of Evangelicals. Isn't that totally sound? Well, I think theologically they're still holding to the gospel. I know they are, but you will see as much about the, about, about the gospel on their website, but you'll also see everything green. Um, and creation and, and, and the global warming. So when did that creep into the church? I think in probably the early 2000s, the church began to focus um, not exclusively, but heavily on issues, the social gospel, social justice, the green agenda. When, how does that save souls? How does that save souls for eternity? It won't. Um, so I see the church majoring in some minors, and I'm not saying these other issues aren't important, but they're not as important as winning the loss while there's time. Because folks, we are running out of time. And there's coming a time when a trumpet sounds, and when that trumpet sounds, the church is gone. And I believe that's any day. And then we're leaving all sorts of millions of people behind who don't know the Lord. Um, so that is my burden, is that we win souls while there's time, and the gimmicks that the church is employing are not going to cause, not, they don't count for eternity, let's put it that way. Uh, this question is, I'm going to ask a question to both Jan and the Congresswoman. Putin's lineup at the border is something is strange. 
Yes. Something is odd about that. It does feel, I feel like I'm back in the third grade watching Khrushchev. This just doesn't, because yes. uh, yes. the wars now are cyber, economic, psychological, and that's how, that's why you take out countries. Uh, Congresswoman, I know the stuff on the Intel Committee when you serve, you can't talk about, but beyond that, unclassified, what is your take on what on earth is happening at that border and what is Putin thinking right now? What is he attempting to do? I'm going to throw this one uh, to you, Congresswoman Bachman. Well, a two-part answer. If this was real, uh, then, I, then my thought is our country, in my opinion, is completely infiltrated in this administration by the Chinese. And I think if you look at every move that Joe Biden has made in the last year, it's benefited one country. It's not the United States. It's benefited China. So there's tremendous uh, in the back room uh, people who are influential for China that are influencing the decisions that he's making. So if you take a look at why would the United States get involved in protecting the sovereignty and integrity of the Ukrainian border when, when President Biden has let over 2 million people illegally come over the United States southern border, it doesn't make any sense. But most of what he does doesn't make sense. So why would we <laughs> In a, in a non-issue when there's really been nothing that's been going on between Russia and the Ukraine. There's been some skirmishes on the eastern border for probably six, seven years, but it has to do with some internal politics back and forth with uh, Putin and the guys that are paying the uh, the graft payments to him. Because <laughs> it's, it's all corruption over there. It's all corruption. They pay graft payments. Then look at Crimea. Crimea happened, oh, I don't know, what was it, 2014, something like that. When the Russians went into Crimea, how did they go in? Did they go in with tanks? Did they go in with guys wearing uniforms? No, they went in in disguises. They took it over just like that. That's how they do it. So there was no element of surprise here. There was no like legitimate war. Jan and I were talking about this earlier. This looks more like a lineup from the early 1940s than it looks like modern warfare today. So this was a joke. I mean, this was, this was, I shouldn't say joke. That's a bad term. This, this was created for a different image. And either they were planning to have an actual war and nobody took them seriously, so they decided they're going to back off, or um, they just achieved whatever their objective there was in the short term, and they're maybe going to do something later in the long term. This smelled like the biggest fake I had ever seen from the very beginning. When the news media got their little talking points and they had to start talking about this, it all sounded fake. And now we're finding that everybody folded their cards. They're going to go home. That's not a war. This is a fake. This was a fake. That's my opinion. This is a, a Congresswoman, you had joined Rosemary and me, economist Mark Nuttall, some others. We went to Ukraine together and we had a wonderful time. Uh, probably wasn't your first visit. Certainly wasn't Mark Nuttall's. It was the first for my wife and I. We fell in love with Ukraine. I'm a, I'm a Ukraine lover, uh, crazy. And I, I, I want to defend him, but uh, and Putin is a thug, but it, it, something's baffling about. We'll we'll leave that topic, but something is very strange about what's going on that we're going to see behind the scenes someday and know that this is just an odd 
a, a very odd situation. It was, it was a fake war. I'm telling you, it was a fake war. But there, there's other plans and purposes. But like Jan said, from a biblical perspective, there will be a Gog Magog war, and and maybe that is how the whole thing is going to start. But well, I'm gonna go to that. We're going to go to that. I, I want to ask one more question before we get to that because. Uh, uh, Jan, I want to come back to you on Gog and Magog. I want you to talk a little bit about and educate people on there. We've got some people who are listening right now who may not be familiar with those terms. So I want you to explain them. Why are they important? What should we be watching for? Uh, before we do that, uh, Mario, I want to bring you in. My sensing is, and this would be uh, this question is now to all, all of you. I didn't mean to turn this into a roundtable here, but it's become that. Mario, Jan, and, and Congressman. When you say, Jan, there's no leaders, I, I think you're right. And that's that leadership void that is so tragic right now. <clears throat> but the ones that, in terms of righteous leaders, people that I trust, that we look to, that are bold, uh, give me your thoughts on this. I would look, Victor Orban would be the number one in Hungary. Um, I recognize as a tiny nation with only, what, 10 million, 11 million people, whatever, compared to the rest of the world. But Victor Orban is like a rock, and he is in—he's—he's he's in the way. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a cog in the machine. I mean, refuses to be a cog in the machine uh, of what is happening globally. And then Bolsonaro, President Bolsonaro, uh, Mario's uh, graciously arranged for us to be down there twice and meet him. And I've been to uh, Budapest twice, and and have not talked privately with uh, Victor Orban, but have with some of his cabinet members. My. My sensing is that the void with the removal of Netanyahu and Trump in terms of leadership having, that is where our eyes are turned at these points. And maybe we could say the newer one in, in, in Honduras and Guatemala as well. Mario, to you on that, what is your thoughts on what I have just said? And then, uh, Congresswoman, you want to react to that? Well, um, I, I, I personally feel that President Xi is, is a strong leader. Um, right now and flexing his muscles. Uh, we're very concerned at what, what we're seeing in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Peru has gone socialist. Chile has gone socialist. Honduras has just gone socialist. And um, the minority Congress people in Honduras took over unconstitutionally the Congress and are, are just writing whatever legislation the president wants. We're concerned we're going to lose Colombia and we're very concerned about Brazil. And the major power was, the major balance and protection was the United States. President Bolsonaro, uh, President Bukele, um, former president of Honduras, were all very aligned with President Trump in our prior administration. But right now the US is not supporting these smaller nations. And as a result, they're now very worried. Bukele has approached um, China for protection because of fear that uh, the uh, Biden administration was going to come in against our former ally, El Salvador. Right now, Bolsonaro is in Russia um, meeting um, with Putin. They're now faced to try to align themselves for their own protection. These smaller nations cannot, on their own, short of the Lord, obviously, stand up against the direction of the current administration here in the United States. Pretty sobering, Congresswoman. Well, it's true. With, without a strong United States, we have been a force for good in the world. We've been the um, 
putative leader of the world. This has been the American century, the American century and a half. And we've, we're, we've been the force to be reckoned with, but it is my opinion that we are no longer the superpower of the world. I think that we have been eclipsed in that by China earlier this year. And I believe in August, when Joe Biden intentionally yes. chose to lose, um, have the United States lose in a tragic, humiliating defeat in Afghanistan, leaving about $90 billion worth of the finest weapons in the world. The weapons that we left there are better than the weapons that we have left in the United States, that more state of the art. I, that was deliberate. Those are all now, they're owned by China, they're owned by Putin, but primarily by China. Bagram Air Force Base is now China's Air Force Base. We left them with a trillion dollars worth of in infrastructure in addition to the weapons. And now Joe Biden wants to send millions of dollars in aid to the Taliban and Russia. I mean, in Afghanistan, this is absolutely planned. So we know that China has worked on a Belt and Road Initiative, and they were working on that from China. They were, they've been going through Africa and all through, also through Europe. But this is a tremendous opportunity that the Chinese have jumped on in Latin America and in South America. So what China has been in the midst of a 100-year plan to be the dominant nation in the world. With the advent of Joe Biden, they have leapt forward decades in their yes. plan. So yes. they're very, very close to completion to being the, the lead dog in the world. And uh, we haven't brought up the World Economic Forum, but one of the goals of the World Economic Forum, goal number three, is that the United States is no longer a superpower nation. Now think of that. Every day of your life when you woke up, you woke up knowing that the United States was the superpower of the world. We wake up today. My opinion is that is no longer the case. When that happens, we live in a very different world because it is not a, a, a peaceful transition of power from the United States as the superpower of the world to China as the superpower of the world. Because what China plans is that all nations will look like China. We will all have digital passports. Um, social contracts that we have to follow. And that is coming into place. I don't believe that China ultimately will be, my opinion is they will not ultimately be successful in being the global, global dominant power because the Bible says there will be a one world government, which right. is what the World Economic Forum is envisioning. I think that's the direction we'll end up going. Yes. Now I'm going to go back to Jan in just a second, but let me just talk to the, to the audience right now who's saying, well, this is the most negative way. <laughs> no, no, now listen to me for a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something behind the scenes I wasn't going to say. Uh, I had to persuade Jan to come on. She says, no, I don't want to come on. Now, Michelle was in the text string late at night. <laughs> so to, Michelle knows about this. And Jan says, no, no, I don't want to come on. Because people aren't going to like what I'm going to say. I said, Jan, I want you to come on. Because she said, no. And I had to twist her arm to come on. Now, if you want simply a sugar-coated report, you, you tune off and join in another time, or maybe somebody will give you the sugar-coating. We have to have truth before we go to prayer, because our answer is in God. Amen. But you got to pray intelligently if we're going to be able to pray at all effectively. And you got to know the tough things. And it's okay to know the tough things. you got to be told there's cancer before you can get the healing for the cancer. 
And so we're hearing some tough things and it isn't altogether pleasant. And I know that, but <laughs> don't start. I don't have any idea what's on, what's being said on, on, on Facebook right now, but don't put, oh no, this is negative. Don't, don't, don't bother. Don't go there. <laughs> just, just spare yourself and, and jump off and, and, and go have some iced tea or something. Yeah. But I want to encourage us to listen to some hard truth because when we go to prayer, we're, we're moving into intercession, not just praying, we're intercession, we're travailing, we're serious about the prayer we're about to have, and we're serious in, in, in praise and proclamation of praise, lifting up the name of Jesus in the midst of some really uh, tough situations. I refuse to let discouragement take me. I'm disappointed a lot, but I refuse to allow this discouragement to take residence in my heart, and don't you either as well. So let's allow our speaker, uh, to say what she needs to say, I'd rather hear the truth any day. So we address the truth and, and go after it than have somebody tell me something and, and sugarcoat. Now, Jan, I'm coming back to you yeah. uh, on the world leader comment. And then I want you to go into Gog and Magog because uh, there, there's where Putin's Putin's maneuvering may be far more significant. Yes, indeed. And, and, indeed. And I, want, I want people's minds who, who may not be familiar Gog, Magog, et cetera, what to watch for, what to expect, and the nature of what the Antichrist looks like. So leaders, Gog and Magog, and then speak about the Antichrist. All right. If I could just, just backtrack for a moment to what Michelle just raised. She raised probably the most important point of the evening. She referenced the World Economic Forum. A lot of your listeners have not heard of the World Economic Forum. It's Klaus Schwab. He, he formed it in 1971, I believe. Um, and, and I believe the World Economic Forum and their great reset, the reset is on the horizon and the reset will be the abandonment of capitalism, et cetera. And I believe that the reset is going to be global government. But the, and Revelation 13 talks all about the coming global government. Um, and I don't believe the church will be here for the coming global government. But Michelle referenced that World Economic Forum. Folks, if you don't remember anything else, when you were finished tonight, go do a search on World Economic Forum or go to their website, uh, weforum.org, I believe it is, and get acquainted with them. I believe it's the Antichrist system. And you can learn a lot about the things that are to come by better understanding this World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. And I have done endless radio programs and conferences on this particular organization. Um, so then, Jim, uh, and thank you for clarifying that sometimes the things we have to look at, if we're going to look at reality, uh, it's not always the prettiest picture. We're in the last days, folks. <clears throat> what did you expect the last days to look like? And I believe that they're, they're just as we've already talked about, they're lawless and, and they're, they're very trying times. The Bible says they'll be perilous. Um, let me just give a short rundown here on Gog, Magog, Ezekiel 38-39. Here is where Russia plays the key, key role. And what I wondered when this Ukraine thing started heating up, and I still don't think we know how it's going to play out, but I found it interesting that today in Ukraine, it seemed to be a patriotic holiday in Ukraine today, and the people were smiling and waving flags sort of partying. And I thought, my goodness, you're about to be invaded, though I don't think that will happen. But somebody knows something here because the country 
is sort of having a picnic today. And yet the bombs were supposed to start today. So something didn't add up. Um, so, but what will add up is what the Bible predicts. That's going to happen. Okay, that is going to happen. Ezekiel 38, 39 says, in the last days, the power to the uttermost north. North of what? I said earlier in the Bible, nothing matters other than Israel. So it's the power to the north of Israel, uttermost north, that's Russia, will come down in the latter days to seize the wealth of Israel. She'll bring with her Turkey, the Bible names them, Turkey, Iran, or Persia, um, Russia, and then some North African countries, Libya prop, uh, is named, uh, Sudan is named, and there may be other nations, but these nations are named. They're going to invade Israel to seize her wealth, whatever that might be. She's going to seize the wealth of Israel in the last days. And who's going to defeat this army? Because it's going to be massive. The Bible says Israel won't defeat her. The Bible says no one will come to Israel's aid. America, by default, America is not coming to her aid. No one is coming to her aid in Ezekiel 38, 39 except God. And the Bible outlines there that God steps in, defeats these enemies of Israel on the mountains of Israel and annihilates them. And, and, and so this is, this is the kind of war we pay attention to because the Bible says this will happen. So if the Bible says this will happen, whether or not we see it, we don't know. We don't know the timing. Is it tomorrow? Is it a week from now? Is it a year from now? Is it five years from now? We do not know. We just know it's it's on the horizon. It's going to happen. And I think that's that's the key end time Russian role has nothing to do with Eastern Europe or with you know the Ukrainian and uh, uh, Ukraine, Moldova. They say next Moldova will be taken. Well, that's all possible. But none of that is relevant. What's relevant is what Russia does to Israel. OK. Uh Congresswoman, I want you to pick up the questioning right there, because there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of questions, and uh, and, and Mario, if the two of you would uh, pick it up right there with questionings for Jan, because we're just kind of opening up Jan and letting her letting her go. Mario, Congresswoman. So, are, do you want us to moderate questions that are coming in from the nope, audience? Nope, nope. Just want you to ask questions, ask questions, and and probe, and let's go deeper on what's what's just been said this is pretty significant and jan, i'd like to do do you jan want to talk a little bit about uh the uh, as we're in this end time scenario this rise of the antichrist well i believe of course we don't know who the antichrist is i don't believe the church will ever know who the antichrist is and i don't believe the church will ever meet the antichrist I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture the church is removed before the antichrist is revealed is he alive I absolutely believe he's alive. And I, and I know some of this can be kind of new news to people who aren't, again, the church is not teaching this. It's, it's, reasons, it's the reason why certain ministries have a lot of followers who are wanting to learn this just because the church is silent, not all, but many churches are silent on these issues of end time importance. Um, so it would be helpful if the church could explain some of this that I'm talking about. Um, you know, Hal Lindsey came out with a book in, um, 
I think it was 1970 or 71, the late great planet Earth. And I know Hal, he's now 91 years old. He's still very quick mentally. Um, and I brought him to Minneapolis uh, several times. And Hal said he just wanted to make eschatology, doctrine of the last days, easy to understand because back then no one could understand it. There was, there weren't a lot of popular teachers that were helping people understand it. So his book came out, of course, was one of the most, I think it was the biggest selling book of all time. I believe it was early seventies up until today. I think it's 10 million or more has been sold. And his goal was to make what I'm talking about something that everyone would be discussing easy to understand, and most important, that it would cause people to anticipate eagerly the Lord's return. Now, you think about the circle of people you interact with, how many of them are eagerly anticipating the Lord's return? I know Michelle is because she and I do a lot of meetings together and prophecy conferences, but we are the exception. We are the exception. We are the exception that we know about it, care about it, and want to communicate this wonderful message. Jesus is coming again. He promised. He promised he would come back for us and receive us first in the air. That's known as the rapture. And then we would be in heaven seven years. And then he would come back in the second coming with us. Okay, so slow down right there, uh, Jan. I want you to slow down because you know this like the back of your hand. Yeah. And, and many of the listeners do too, but there's some who don't. And I, I want you to treat us all like we are for just a, a moment, like we're all third graders on this and walk through. Uh, you have behind you are the book of a, a mutual friend of ours, a Tim LaHaye. I see it yeah. there charting the end times. So literally verbally chart the end times for it as you see it and add in color commentary as, as you would. Just chart the end times for us. So the person who's not initiated uh, can become, and then the question, one of the questions I want to lead up to is why is the church seemingly not that all excited yeah. about the potential soon coming of Jesus? So yeah. let's, let's go with, chart it out first. Let's take it there. Well, I mean, the Bible says that the Bible talks about the last days almost more than anything else with a lot of warnings. And it says that th those days would be perilous. Second Timothy three, last days uh, perilous times will come are we in them i think so um we're in them in, in such perilous times we're in you know nuclear times we're in cyber times and and you're right jim you said earlier if there's going to be a war it's it's not going to be fought as it was in 1942 it's going to be fought with with cyber and other creative ways but all that to say is we're in in these perilous times that the bible talked about and um, and I, I kind of opened my comments with some of the things that we were going to see in those last days. The Bible says we'll see lawlessness. We'll see leaderlessness. There'll be no leaders that we can trust. There'll be a longing for a man who can make everything right. There'll be economic downturn, particularly <clears throat> in the tribulation. So, so we have the last days, and that's what we're in now. And then that's leading to what's known as the rapture of the church, where the church disappears. The church is not a building. The church are believers, okay? The rapture of believers. That, I believe, is next. I believe that's imminent. I believe that could be tonight. The believers disappear. Following that, 
there is a seven-year tribulation from which the church is absent. <laughs> Thank God, because again, we don't want to be here during that time. It's unspeakable. <clears throat> the Bible says that during that time, if Jesus didn't return in the second coming seven years later, no flesh would be saved during that seven-year time. That's how destructive it will be with the church absent. So at the, at the end of the seven years, the second coming comes, Jesus comes back in the second coming and establishes that 1000 year millennial reign with Christ ruling out of Jerusalem for a literal 1000 years, <clears throat> followed by the um, new heavens and the new earth. That's just, you know, in few sentences, what's ahead. Um, but all sorts of things are going to take place that, I mean, we don't, we don't have time. They feel, they feel thick books, all the things that are going to take place between now and the second coming. But I think the thing that's important, Jim, <clears throat> is um, the things that, that the Bible says to watch for right before the rapture of believers. And that's what I've already talked about. Lawlessness, wars and rumors of wars, nations in distress with perplexity, and the longing for a leader. We need a strong man in either in Washington or preferably in Washington. We've lost that. We don't have it. And because of that, the world is shaky. The world can't, doesn't know whether to turn to the right or the left because it has no significant power broker. Who's afraid of anybody on, or anybody afraid of Joe Biden? Is Honestly, is anybody afraid of Vladimir Putin? Are they afraid of the premier of, of China, Mr. Xi? I don't think so. But they're going, so they're waiting for a man with a plan, a Mr. Fix-It. His name is Antichrist. We don't know who he is. I believe he's on the earth, ready to make his entry. The church will not see him. I sense that right now. I just want to be uh, pastoral to those who are listening and make sure that if, if that second coming were to be, or if that rapture were to be tonight, not one person on the World Prayer Network call tonight would miss it. Amen. You walk with the assurance. And you do that by coming into full alignment with the ways of God, by acknowledging that you are a sinner. You need Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, saying, Jesus, I need you. I want you to come into my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I repent, means turn away, from my sins. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, make me new. I repent. Become Savior of my life. Become Lord of my life, in charge, take charge, become boss of my life, take charge, I yield myself to you, come into my life, and in that moment, in that moment, you say that with the sincerity of your heart, your sins are forgiven, you walk into new creation in Christ, and you do not have to walk in the fear, now, we understand it's kind of like dying, now, those of us in Christ are in fear of being dead, we just associate the act of dying with pain, and that's normal to be apprehensive about that, that's not abnormal, we don't look forward to something like that, okay? We hope we just, our spirit leaves our body without with the mountain. We don't like, none of us care for pain. But at the same time, we don't have to walk in fear of death. We don't have to walk in fear of, of, of the coming of Christ. You say, Jesus, I want you. I need you above all. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me the new creation you designed me to be. So I can be in full alignment with you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Now pray that in your heart. I suspect that most, almost overwhelming, almost every person that's called, has already done that and is walking in that. But my sensing was a nudging by the Holy Spirit that there was one person on this call yes. who needed that right now. 
And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to be held responsible for God that I failed to give you the opportunity. If you're one of those, contact us at uh, the best way, just info at wellversedworld.org, info at wellversedworld.org. And uh, Mario or me or somebody will we'll, we'll be in touch. Info at wellversedworld.org. Let us know you prayed the prayer uh, to receive Christ. Now, I want to go uh, just pick it kind of back up where, where we were. My sensing on the whole, you talked about church, and you'll say some churches are, but some churches are. <clears throat> there, I, I don't have an answer to the question I'm posing, and maybe we, we so we don't need to park here, but uh, there is a seismic change taking place in the nature of what we call the church. Yes. And I've stopped using the word church and started using the, the word ecclesia for right now. Uh, the called out ones, the ones called yes. out for purpose of, in Acts 19, they're called out for legislative initiative to exercise their authority before the Lord in prayer and fasting and declaring of the word of God. But there, there is a separation, evangelicalism, the term I don't think is going to survive. Yes. I think it's too lost, too many compromised evangelicals, colleges, evangelical churches, the NAE, the CCCU, Christianity Today. Institutions we cherished, loved. That's right. That's uh, right. I, I would not be able to say those same terms about them anymore. So deeply grieved, quite frankly, quite pretty deep grief over that. But God is raising up something different, a different model. What that's going to look like? Going to be house church? I don't know. Uh, he's raising up, I, I think, a whole alternative universe or God's universe in terms of how we care for each other, medically, legally, transportation, communication. We're, we're going to find a whole subset of ways mm. that we're going to have to function. We're going to have to get degrees with colleges that aren't accredited by the people we used to want accreditation from. It is Something is, is happening. I can't see it clearly, but I feel it coming. And the Holy Spirit's going to show us collectively in networks all across the world how to function with each other in the new environment. Now, I've thrown out a lot. Jan, you want to respond to that? And then Mario, our, our congresswoman, then we'll go on some other questions. But that's the shaking of the institution that we have historically called the church that I sense is coming down. But God's passing, bypassing denominational structures. They're just, they're, they're being bypassed, period. What comments do you want to make about that before we go to the next question? My only comment is amen. You, you said a lot, and, and I totally agree with what you've just concluded, Jim. Very well said. Mario, what do you want to add? Yeah, I'd like to ask Jan and Michelle. Um, most Bible commentators do not see the United States, I think, in end time uh, prophecy. Right. Um, but then Daniel 725 uh, talks about the horn of uh, referring to the Antichrist wanting to change the times and the laws, uh, which we're seeing happen. I, the question is, is there any hope for America? Okay, this is what we're contending for. We've been contending since November um, when uh, what happened with the election. Is there still a possibility or no, we're, we're beyond America ever regaining any type of um, uh, a place in the world uh, scene? And now we're shifting into um, um, this, this scenario yeah. that we're talking about prophetic. I think we're rushing to global government and America had to be set aside. And Michelle, I believe, brought up the issue of Afghanistan. Um, and I think Afghanistan should have been the signal to us anyway, and really to the world 
Afghanistan should have been the signal that America's global status and power is now history. Now, can God turn everything around? Um, new election in 2024. Of course, He can do that. If that's if if He so so chooses, He can do that. Um, I personally believe it's too late in the game, but there are many who do not. There are many who believe we're going to turn things around. I can't see the mind of, of, of the Lord, but the World Economic Forum, as Michelle said, their number three point in their sort of their outline is that America must diminish, uh, then the by default global government must enter in, which is what they're trying to establish. Um, and they're well on their way to doing that. And they had to have Mr. Biden in office to do this. And I don't want to get into election issues right now, but but it's all falling into place. And once it's falling into place like this, I don't believe it falls out of place and goes back to what it used to. I believe it's heading to a eschatological crescendo, an end time crescendo with a global leader, not a righteous person coming on the scene, global government and the church will be gone. This is why Trump was so hated. Yes, it wasn't because yes. He was Republican. It wasn't because he was for certain yes. that he was not a part of that agenda. That's right. And he wasn't owned by them, and they detested. It. And this is why I asked my Canadian friends, given the fact that some reports are that in Canada the support for Trudeau over his handling of this has dropped to as low as sixteen percent in some one poll, why wouldn't he be peeling back and saying, "I got to get my act together"? And the guy on the phone from Canada, very knowledgeable, said to me yesterday morning, he doesn't care one whit about that. He's owned by the World Economic Forum. He has one goal. He has to please them. He is owned by them. That's his only concern right now, what he's doing. Everything yeah. is driven by that. Jim, uh, That's I, Michelle, I'd like to pose the same question to you. What are you feeling regarding the fate of America? Sure. Well, we we always have hope. Our hope is in the Lord. But the, the yeah. we this is the most exciting time of, in all of yeah. history. Live, I think that's what we need to realize. Because remember, we we don't deserve we don't serve a defeated God. We we serve the God of the Bible, who is the victor, who's already won our victory for us. That's our victory because our, our true home is in heaven. That's where we're going. But what the number one story in the world today, I believe, is the rise of global authoritarianism. And you, we're, we've been watching that in particular in these last two years, the rise of global authoritarianism. The most recent example was this weekend with Justin Trudeau, who effectively made himself a dictator. Right. He, he utilized an emergency power that has never been used before. He was supposed to have that level of power approved by parliament. He didn't, he bypassed them. He just effectively waved his wand and so what parliament needs to do is shut him down because he had no business doing that. But he's not the only one. It's been within the last month that the nation of Austria, through their legislature, passed a law that every Austrian 18 years of age or older has to be vaccinated. 
There is no way out. They have to be. In a couple of weeks, the police are going to be pulling Austrians over on the side of the road, demanding to see vaccine papers if people can't produce them. They're given thousands of dollars in fines and they're sent off to jail. So there is only one option in Austria. You either get vaccinated or you leave. There is no option. There's no way out. It's a complete level of authoritarianism. We've seen the same thing in Australia, nation after nation after nation. So this is not just the United States where we've seen this rising authoritarianism. This is global. And the whole reason for this is so that we move into this time of global governance. So again, it's not a sad despairing thing. We have grief and loss over America, the way that we loved it, the way that we love living here. We all worked together and prayed together for our nation. All of the, through the World Prayer Network, we were praying for this last election, after this election, asking the Lord for his will. That's exactly what we should be doing. We, that's how the Lord wants to find us, seeking him. But remember, he is sovereign. We are not. He is sovereign. He will have his way. And that's why it's imperative that we are understanding the times that we live in. We all know from the word of God, he is coming back. I don't pretend to know when that is, but Jesus says, look at the seasons. Look at the fig tree when the starting to leaf. That's what we need to do. Watch what's happening. And when you watch these unique things happening around the world, things that we've never seen before, it causes us to become closer to the Lord, more in prayer, reading his word, witnessing like ever before. I'm here as the dean of a graduate school of government at a Christian university, Regent University. So I'm, I'm occupying until Jesus comes. So if Jesus is coming tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., I'm going to continue to be the dean at Regent University because that's the calling on my life. And my calling is to do everything I can to make America better governmentally organized and run and to see the most godly individuals running for office. Today, I just endorsed another candidate for Congress because I want a godly person. So I'm continuing, Mario, with everything that we've been doing to see the United States of America be the greatest place that it could possibly be. I will not, I will not stop doing that. But at the same time, I read my Bible. I have a newspaper in one hand, I have my Bible in the other. So I'm trying to contend for our nation while I understand the times. And I will not despair. I will only rejoice because I know that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and yours is coming back for his bride. And I want to be ready. And I want the body of Christ ready. But in this world, we seek to do the work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to redeem this world. And that's why I think Jim was led by the Holy Spirit tonight to give the gospel. Because yes. we need to save as many as we can and occupy. If you're a dentist, if you're a plumber, if you're retired, if you're home full time, whatever it is God has called you to do, do it with all your might, with happiness, with hope every single day. But 
we also can't be foolish. We need to be the 10 virgins with our lamps filled so that we are ready for him doing our father's business when he comes. But I do believe, I agree with my sister, Jan, I think he's coming soon. In fact, I think he's at the door. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.